1: This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this. Now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit Armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, Chosen by champions.
0: Extra Staff and win the Mexican Grand Prix, to win his record 14th race of 2022. Joining me to break it all down, Megan Schuster. Megan, hello. Hi, Kevin. And Taryn Bray. Taryn returns. I've never potted with Taryn. She potted with Megan while I was on the camp tour. I felt left out. Glad to have her join us this time. What's going on, Taryn?
2: Hola. Um, Yeah, I am the person that Kevin has never podcasted with, as per his last episode. It is is I.
0: (laughs) It's funny because I don't ever, I am so weirdly insecure about people who are not sitting in the seat that I never announce uh, who's coming on the show beforehand. And that goes for every single podcast. And sometimes people will be like, will try to tee me up on who my next guest is, and I just will never say it. And usually it's an NFL (laughs) player, but in some cases it's a huge celebrity like, like Terran Bray.
2: Yes, of course. So I'm happy to be here. And finally, um, with you, Kevin, since Meg and I were on the mics earlier this summer. So.
0: I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Daniel Ricardo is back. He's all the way back. He got a 10-second penalty. He had a rage drive. Um, he had an incredible <laughs> post-race I chat with Danica Patrick and Paul DiResta, in which he said he was going to the Jets-Bills game next week. Um, he yes. Toto Wolf came on, and they tried to get Toto and George and Daniel to admit that that Daniel will be a test driver for Mercedes next year and nobody would do it. Um, It was all very strange. But this is all this to say is that Daniel was the one piece of excitement today because there wasn't a whole lot of action on the grid. Um, So as we said, Verstappen gets one, Hamilton gets two, Checo gets three uh, in his home race. Uh, I do think that there are some tire Controversies, as they would say, controversies, as they would say over there. Um, and we'll get to those. Um, but big takeaways, Taryn, we'll start with you. Uh, what'd you learn today?
2: Um, I think, well, number one, I want to go back to the Danny thing. Toto's been sporting Danny Rick's merch. So, yes,
1: to add yes.
2: fuel to this, you know, conspiracy theories and and hyping him up. I'm just loving Toto's support. So, you know, if that's anything, maybe a little, little crumb there. Um, I learned that. A couple different things, probably that George is very vocal about what. He, not that that's new, but he's <laughs> very, very vocal about how he feels, and will probably say anything to make them make a decision that he wants um, when he didn't get it in the first place. But I mean, I think it's just we're just learning how really good. Not that we didn't know before that Max really is, and yeah. You know, I think throughout this entire season, we've just seen the dominance and how easy it is for him, even when he's in positions that, you know, other drivers could, you know, not perform how he does Mm -hmm. in those same situations. And I think he's just coming out on top and really proving to the world, especially after last season and how that ended and people kind of doubting the finish and and how many titles you know he really deserves and he's just kind of proving out there to everyone that he's a very deserving world champion and that he is going to probably break a lot of records throughout his career yeah. as he did uh today
0: it's interesting because there was an argument i think it was in the bbc this weekend um with Julian palmer and jeannie Gow and all, all those folks about whether or not what it, is it harder to do what, say, Jim Clark did in the in the sixties and win? I, I think I think the all time record is eight out of winning eight out of ten races. Or Schumi did it um, in the nineties, where he won a higher percentage um, than Max is going to do this year. Um, and then Jim Clark in uh, in the sixties did it as well. Is it harder to win like eight out of ten or or ten out of thirteen than or fourteen out of twenty three? And it's interesting. I don't. I'm I'm of two minds of that. I mean, I think that the the rhythms of the current f1 season were such a slog where the international travel is such that it would be hard to carry dominance from week to week is one thing um but on the other hand you really can't make any mistakes at all when there's 10 races or 12 races or thir- to 13 races um, megan uh what what do you think about this um the the 14th win this year and just kind of max in general on on the weekend that that he and checo get to celebrate on the podium
1: yeah it's It's weird to say, but Max is almost becoming kind of inevitable to me. Like you see him throughout a weekend, even if he, you know, maybe doesn't have the top qualifying slot or doesn't have, you know, it in some of the free practices. Like he just shows up on race day and has the mindset that he's going to come out on top. And I think it's hard to it's hard for us to talk about him. And I think the way that we maybe want to, because it's so early still in his career and this is, you know, only the second driver's championship that he's won. And, you know, you can't really stack up where he is in his career now with, you know, where Lewis is, where any of the other F1 greats are. But I do think that, you know, barring some kind of Red Bull collapse or um, lots of car issues going forward, that this is the start of something real. And it's, it's really mm-hmm. exciting to watch. He's he's phenomenal. Yeah, he only had six polls this
2: season. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, right,
0: I mean, Charles right. had a bunch of them, which is like nobody having them. So it's yeah, fine.
1: Right. True. <laughs> ghost poll. Yeah.
0: yeah ghost Any Ferrari
2: poll will end up in a max win. <laughs> Yeah, true. That's,
0: That's exactly true. right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Um, it, it, it's it's fascinating to me. Um, by the way, we will have more talk on the cost cap punishment that came down this week, which is um, one of the biggest things, obviously, of the season. And there was a lot of of griping going back and forth. And we're going to get to that to the end of the show. It would totally derail um, any talk about the Mexico Grand Prix if we started that, that discussion right now. So we're going to get to that at the end. Um, I want to talk about Ferrari versus Mercedes um, for the next two races and figuring out now it's a 40 point gap between two and three in the constructors' championships. Ferrari had a nightmare of a weekend because they had to turn their engine down to, to deal with the altitude, to deal with the heat. I was surprised by this. A couple of the pundits were surprised by it because there were other Ferrari engines in Mexico City and they were doing fine. Botas was doing as well as he'd done since July. Um and so I I was surprised they had that rough of a weekend. And it was funny because they asked the Claire afterwards. Kravitz said, Can you uh can 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 you kind of um tell Ferrari fans this is going to be a one-off to make them feel better. And Charles was like, yeah, I hope so. But you just don't know from, <laughs> from, from one week to the next, um, Mercedes, I think even though they probably feel like they left some meat on the bone, um, and had a good weekend, uh, they're probably feeling okay. Even if they didn't come away with, with a one, two or a win or, or two podiums, whatever it is. Um, Megan, how do you feel about the two, three right now in the constructor championship?
1: Well, this is something that I actually really wanted to talk to you guys about because I know it's a forty-point gap, and I know there's only two races left. Mm-hmm. But if I were to give you guys like a percentage chance that Mercedes catches Ferrari for the number two, like like what would you say it is? I I think I'm hovering right now around like seven percent, just based on seven. You know, just just based on like how much you know how far Ferrari would have to fall in the standings, they'd have you know like it. Gets very oh, tricky,
0: oh, and I'm not. What are you what, saying? Yeah, we, haven't, we haven't seen Ferrari have any sort of historical collapse this <laughs> year at all. So this is I, what I, a surprise I, this would be.
1: No, I know. I, I'm trying not to root for for crashes, so I'm trying to be like a, a you know in a in a state where they don't DNF for you know sure. failure and or crash like, what is the, what are the chances? And, you know, graded maybe I should be factoring that in, but I, I'm going like, if all four cars finish the next two races, right. I'm going to say like 7%.
2: That's given yeah. if they all
1: finish the race. And I have seen some, some
2: pretty spicy takes that it might be tank season so that they can get more <laughs> wind tunnel time. Now that everything is locked up for Red Bull, you know, maybe that. they, maybe they want to finish third and get a little bit more wind tunnel time. I think it's like 17% more wind tunnel time. Finish third could be a
0: lot that could be significant. Um, I don't know the actual, um, I don't have like the 538. No one's done a good enough job of building the 538 sort of database about how much you know when you do have this kind of lead, how often you should seal the deal, all that stuff. I haven't seen that. I think it's higher than seven percent. 40 points is a lot over two races, but I'm still gonna say 30 percent, something like that, just given. The fact that I, I just really think that that Ferrari is in a bad place right now. I don't know why their engines couldn't cope. Um, there's still going to be heat in the last two races. Um, it's just where they'll be in the world. So I don't. I I really am. I'm pretty skeptical Ferrari is going to have any success because it looked to me. I mean, honestly, guys, it looked to me like Ferrari was closer to best of the rest than it was the top three today.
1: Yeah, it it's true. They they were not at all. You know, competing against. Mercedes today. They were very content to finish fifth and sixth and kind of just beat out, you know, McLaren and and whoever else. So it was, uh, yeah, kind of felt a little bit like giving up, but it makes me wonder whether, you know, they're doing kind of what you were saying, Taryn and like potentially trying to get that extra wind tunnel time, or if they just feel like if they're overconfident and feel like they already have the number two spot locked up, which, uh, Either way, a little bit dangerous.
2: You know, I like the day that I can come on this pod and we don't have something to say about Ferrari and <laughs> what's happening with them because at this point we're two for two and maybe it wasn't like strategy and competence this time, but like still they, they do not seem like a team that is, has it all figured out in the slightest. <laughs>
0: We got a listener question, and, and I, I've thought about it for since I got it and 90 minutes ago, and it was interesting because obviously one of the reasons Mercedes wasn't more competitive is that Red Bull started on the softs, they got the advantage, and they never gave it up. Um, Lewis Hamilton said he wanted to start on softs. Um, it just wasn't their, their entire day. They didn't split the strategies, which, you know, I think that there are a couple of the pundits afterwards are basically saying, give it a go, split the strategies, and maybe maybe you, you end up, um, you know, with one of those cars being more competitive. Um, we got a question from Wesley, and I, I get this has come up before, but, uh, but I, I want to put it to you guys right now after this kind of day. Um, is Merck's strategy team actually suspect? Because no one has really noticed when they had such a dominant car and driver for so many years um, that they basically had bad decisions. Which I think is, I think that's only natural. Like, that that, that happens all the time. Belichick's defense looks worse when he doesn't have an incredible... Uh, group of talent and he doesn't have Tom Brady to bail him out on offense. You know, like that that just happens. Like, Brandon Staley, his run, he he was supposed to revolutionize run defense and he didn't, he went to Los Angeles, uh, excuse me, went to the Chargers, didn't have Aaron Donald anymore and it wasn't as good. Like, when you don't have the dominant forces anymore, yeah, it's the cracks start to show. But has this year, uh, Megan, changed anything about the way you view Merck?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, today was definitely not their day and I, I agree with You know, people kind of questioning why they didn't listen to George, why, you know, you start both drivers on mediums rather than one on soft, one on mediums, why you went with the hard tire at all, um, Mm -hmm. given, you know, kind of what testing was showing over the weekend. Even Sky Sports today was like, you know, we didn't really expect to see this tire this weekend. Um, but no, it hasn't changed anything for me. In fact, I think it showed, um, you know, from how they've developed the car across the season, because, mm-hmm. you know, the first few weeks of, of this season, we were like, are, are they going to be in, you know, even third place in this, right. you know, constructors race. And, um, if anything, it's, it's just proved to me that they, you know, will will continue to fight, will continue to develop. And yeah, like they're every now and again, going to mess up a tire strategy, but I, I don't see this as like being an especially consistent thing for them. But uh, and and also on top of that, I mean, last season they had some questionable strategy decisions
2: when Lewis yeah. was fighting for the title too. Yes. So like you said, it's more obvious now because they're not winning, but in my eyes, this isn't necessarily new. It's not like they were perfect before. And then all of a sudden this season, you know, they're like, what are we doing? So I don't think anything has necessarily like drastically changed. And for me, it also doesn't change how I view them.
0: Before we get out of the big three discussion. I just want to bring up how funny it is that Red Bull has said they are no longer speaking to Sky Sports. This is indefinite. <laughs> we don't know when this is going to end. That includes Christian Horner. If any, By the way, Christian Horner not speaking to Sky Sports is a bigger punishment than any wind tunnel thing you could give them any fine. Christian Horner is dying to st- speak with Sky Sports. Like, What a huge punishment that is, and it's self-imposed. So, 10 This is not lasting said, long. Yeah, a 100%. Oh, he's going to start he's going to start like dressing up in a costume and just and being and, and being anonymous. Like you know, he's going to be like one of those guys in in one of those documentaries about the mafia <laughs> yeah. and kind have yeah. a scrambled face just talking about what's yeah. going on in the pit wall changing. at the, at Red Bull. Um so <laughs> I I, Kravitz, I will say I d-
1: I did see a report that they are reevaluating that boycott ahead of Brazil, which <laughs> I'm sure came directly from Christian's desk. So, oh, you know, there's some like, oh. surprising oh. news I've heard all day. <laughs>
0: Christian Horner would rather work at Haas and be able to to give pit oh, wall yeah. interviews than win like the next thirty driver championships. Uh, I mean, first of all, Max already doesn't participate in Drive to Survive. Um, it's not like he's on Sky a ton. This is more this is more of a Christian Horner thing. Um, so Ted Kravitz said that that Lewis was robbed, which I don't even think is that controversial of a statement. I mean, first of all, it's not like. Okay, we know that it was very close, and we know that Red Bull was guilty of something. So I don't think that you, I don't think it's out of bounds for someone to make that leap. I don't think it's, it's some sort of huge sporting error. It's not some sportsmanship um, disgrace to, to say that. So I don't think that's a huge leap. And I think that the idea of, of boycotting Sky Sports, first of all, it's really funny to me because Christian Warner obviously sees the value in getting his line out there. And every time anything happens, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether if it involves Mercedes, Toto is is on with Sky immediately and Christian Horner is on with Sky immediately. Um, and because they want to get their line out there and it's almost punishment for them. And no, this isn't even a joke about how often Christian Horner likes to talk to them. Like getting their side of the story out is important. So it's actually just punishing yourself if, if, you're, if you're not going to talk to Sky. Uh, Max is who he is. He doesn't like that side of it. Um, he doesn't want to do. Uh, a ton of interviews, certainly, certainly with, with Sky, and I think that there's already a perception that they're that Sky would be pro Hamilton, which I think is probably only natural, given the fact that they're based um, in London and they, and they they are the broadcaster that we get here in the states. And so I'm not surprised um, that that Max would be a little bit hesitant towards that. But I just think that that's it's it's stupid. It's it's worthless, and and you're not going to crush. Descent like what I, Sky Sports would rather <laughs> Sky Sports would rather be able to call it like they see it and have Ted Kravitz, who is an extremely popular figure. um, they'd rather have him be able to say what he wants than kowtow to freaking Red Bull. Yeah,
1: well, and and I think we've been able to sit with the result long enough to realize that two things can be true that Max's season last year was great enough to deserve a driver's title. And also that like the decision-making that happened during Abu Dhabi was a nightmare and definitely cost Lewis that race. Like, I think both of those things can be true. And I just don't know why Max is so dead set on. I I mean, I guess, you know, he he can be defensive about it, whatever he wants to be. But it it feels like a very like reactionary thing for Red Bull to be like, we're behind Max and now Christian's not talking to Sky Sports either. Like, it's just so silly.
0: It's funny because it goes back to something I heard over the weekend. And it was a a great point. Um, I think, again, it was on BBC where they were talking about how we used to see more teams where top drivers would jump from, you know, from the best team to the second best team, vice versa, the best team to the third best team. And now the drivers and the identity of the team are intertwined. Red Bull is Max. Lewis is Mercedes. Um, Ferrari is their identity is something else, but in theory, <laughs> uh, their 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 identity is is Charles Leclerc is um, Italian.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: Italian exactly. Um, and so I, I do think it's interesting that they do really have to. I mean. I think so much, Taryn, of what we've seen from Toto over the last couple of years has been certainly, you know, the relationship between the two, but also performative and just saying, I'm in Lewis's corner. And this seems like an extension of that with Red Bull and Max, where they built the entire team around one guy early. I mean, there's a reason Daniel Ricciardo left, if you remember those days. Um, It just seems like it's almost, I mean, it's almost like boxing, where everybody's just pushing towards one result, even if it's, uh, even if there are two drivers.
2: Yeah. And like you said, it just, I think gives them a disadvantage too, because then they allow the sky sports broadcasters to kind of say what they say with no mm-hmm. counter argument in return, if they're not speaking to them. So I don't, I mean, I guess they're, they were trying to make a point, but for me, it doesn't really land. It falls flat. Cause like you said, now they're kind of walking it back and it just doesn't really do much for them in the long run of, of what they're trying to promote and, and what they're trying to get out there. And, you know, I was also going to say the point of, I think every probably country media, if you had listened to, if somewhere in Dutch, in Amsterdam, yes Netherlands, they have a broadcast. It's going to be biased towards Max. And they probably said that mm-hmm. Lewis didn't deserve the title. So I think it's a little rash to make this decision to not talk to Sky Sports after that comment. And sure they'll say, you know, all season long, they've been talking about Max this and that, but I don't know. I just think the decision was a hasty one and it sounds like they're regretting it now and walk it back. And I think max also, um, he does interviews here and there with sky before the race, like walking to the grid. And I think he's also, I think he had conversations with Netflix, like in the middle of the season where they reached an agreement Mm -hmm. of where he decided he, he would participate a little bit more. So I think he's also starting to see the benefit of getting his side out there versus, Deciding to not participate and not talk to an outlet at all.
0: Also, the post-race scrum with a little, little chat with Paul Duresta, Johnny Herbert, Danica Patrick, Daniel Ricardo, Total Wolf, and George Russell was a great time. Nobody was like, hey, where's Max Verstappen? I was having a great time <laughs> listening to it. All right, yeah. let's get to the best of the rest. Speaking of Daniel Ricardo, um, we already referenced the fact that he was he was driver of the day despite a 10-second penalty. He said afterwards that he did not. He watched the replay of his accident with Yuki Snowden and he felt less bad. Um, that that classic <laughs> Ricardo the classic Ricardo charm, just smiling and laughing. He's got a little bit of a mustache. Talking about how he, he wants to spend more time in the United States of America and he doesn't feel that bad about crashing Yuki Snowden out of the race. Um, what do you guys think about his rage drive? It traffic? was
1: incredible. It was incredible. It was like... Th- this se- This season has obviously been very rough for him and it it was funny that it took a 10 second penalty to like get him, you know, in the mindset again, where he like wanted to overtake people. Like, it's was like, should we have just been giving you penalties all along? Is that all this <laughs> took? Was it just, you know, you needed to let a little anger out about, you know, not having a seat for next year. I, I have no idea what it was. If maybe it was, he got so embarrassed last week in Austin when he finished 16th, that uh, he was letting out a little frustration here, but it was so fun. Like I've I missed, that version of Danny Rick. Well, and I think also
2: that his ability to go 45 laps on the mediums also played a part in other people's strategy and, and seeing the performance of what the medium could do on long stints, since most everyone beside him and the alpha went pretty short. I mean, not sure. It was in that window, but people thought they were going to go extra long on those mediums. So he kind of played a part in, in the other people's strategy too, with his um, incredible rage drive.
0: <laughs> it was great. It just shows you what he's capable of. And I do think that, I think he really wants to be on the grid in 2024. And I think as, as as often as we joke about him, just going to Bill's Jets games and hanging out, like he wants to race. He wants to be involved. I think he's going to be pretty much every race next year. I, this is not him putting one foot in retirement. And it was funny because and if you guys tell us what, um Botas was on Slow News Day last Friday and he said he wanted to be an Indy car, maybe wanted to be an Indy car after he's done with F1. And so everybody, there were a bunch of Indy car drivers who took that comment and quote tweeted it as a shot at Danny Rick because Danny Rick said he, he doesn't like ovals. He doesn't want to do Car, And they saw that as a lack of competitiveness or whatever. And 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 I, I just, I don't think it's that. I think that Danny Rick, first of all, you get paid a lot more in F1. And I think that we shouldn't discount that. Um, and, and also, I just think he's got that drive to be, I, I think he has, I think he weirdly has something to prove. Now, I guess, not weirdly, I think he still has something to prove. And I think that he's probably mismanaged his career in the last four years since since leaving Red Bull, and I think he still wants one sort of grace note. That's, what, that's why I think when Scott Mitchell' mom was on a couple of weeks ago on this show, I said, is he going to have a, a drive anytime soon? He said, not until he lowers the standards. I don't think he wants to go out with Haas. I don't think he wants to go out with Williams. I think he wants another big drive to give it a go, to be relevant and show the world how good he is and and was. Because I think the last couple of years, he's become a bit of a meme, guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think when he left Red Bull, it was a bit of a bet on yourself move, um, yeah. certainly going to Renault and then leaving Renault immediately to go to McLaren. And I, I think you're right in that he he's searching for that next level and searching for that platform where he really feels like he is heard and understood mm-hmm. and part of the team and that he has a car that he is capable of showing off his skills again and you know, I, I certainly want to see that. like that was all I was hoping for when he left Red Bull. Should he have left Red Bull? that that's, you know, maybe a conversation for another time. but um he's he's definitely looking for that space to try and show that he can still do this. and i I do hope he finds it someday.
2: I mean, I think the question though is where if he's not going to lower yeah. his standards because you look at the grid and the top teams are locked in for a pretty long time. So if he's not going to yeah. lower his standards, then, he doesn't have as many options as you would think. So he's going to have to eventually after next year, maybe reevaluate and just decide where his head and heart lies. Even
0: because I'm thinking here, like, is there a a total wild card? Could he end up in 2024 with Ferrari? Well, they've got Carlos signs signed through 2024. So it's like, it's just not teams aren't going to take those sort of chances anymore. And and I kind of think kind of what we were talking about a second ago the 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 fact that the number one driver on the team, their identity is entwined, also includes the fact that they're not going to kind of screw up what kind of the paddock chemistry and bring in someone who's over the age of thirty. For no reason. I mean, like, if there's a reason, if Red Bull thinks that that I'm I'm making this up. Obviously, Checo's under a long-term contract that he signed after before uh, he won in Monaco. Um, but if they if they thought that he could be a number a better number two in 2024, they would consider it. But I don't think that, that that's that's worth the risk. You don't know at that stage of his career. A how he'll do as a number two driver, protecting Max, which is all they care about. And and B just what what the interplay would be between those two guys. We don't know. It's been five years since they were together, even though. It appears they're friends. They fly all the time. I just think Danny Rick's going to have a hard time getting anywhere close to the top of the sport again, even even though he had this rage drive today.
2: Yeah. And he doesn't seem like, I mean, with all his moves, he's not very content with being that very clear number two driver. And it's not everyone's personality to be okay with that. Some people it is. I mean, you're going there to win. Most of these guys have that mindset of you want to be number one, but it's been pretty obvious over his career that being number two doesn't settle well with
0: him all right let's get to fernando Alonso, who had a week um megan <laughs> you texted me something after alonzo got out of his car got a steering wheel and waved to the crowd and i want you to broadcast it here which is um you said that if you were to rank all the athletes who can like types of athletes who can get mad and look cool f1 drivers are probably last and i agree with that because yeah. you think of all of the steps they have to do they can't just sort of soak off they can't do the like basketball you just sort of you get out of there you run through the tunnel you're done yeah. hockey you can even if you're mad you give your a stick to a kid and skate on out of there and you have to <laughs> skate skate past the backup goalie and stuff who's not paying yeah. attention <laughs> but it's just different in f1 they have to walk back to the paddock fernando Alonso had a um uh, had an interesting week this week and i'd like to unpack it a little bit meg
1: yeah. So we, we we can start with him, you know, throwing his little mini fit after his car, his engine, you know, kind of failed out on him and he climbed out of the car and they showed this slow motion shot of him just throwing his fist into the air, all pissed off wearing his helmet and looking like a sad version of Toad from Mario Kart. And then <laughs> and then it's like you either have to walk back to the paddock or you get scooted back to the paddock, which is arguably even worse because you're not even driving the scooter. So that was a real low for him. Um, He also gave an interview uh, to a Netherlands based uh, outlet in which he, you know, essentially said that he values Max's two titles ahead of Lewis's seven titles, uh, which, of course, you know, sent off a a storm wave across the internet for, you know, a variety of different reasons, including a rare reaction from Lewis Hamilton, who posted Mm -hmm. this photo from 2007 when they were both on the same team and Lewis had finished first in the U S Grand Prix and Fernando finished second. So it was a photo of them on the podium with Lewis, you know, kind of grabbing Fernando's shoulder and seeming to be consoling him, which was incredible. And, you know, Fernando for his part put out a tweet on Sunday night, kind of trying to dispel the whole thing and saying that all titles are valuable, you know, stuff was taken kind of out of context, uh, X, Y, and Z, but it was an interesting race, and he gave some, you know, kind of fiery quotes uh, on the radio today to mm-hmm. Alpine when his car started to fail, you know, just basically saying like what a hell of a year it had been. And um, just he dropped, very, he very dropped tough a all what around. a season. He dropped what a, a what season. a season. That's what it was.
2: That's
1: what it was. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's been going through it this week. Some of it, you know, certainly through his own making, but it's, it's been funny.
2: He also unfollowed like half the grid on Instagram earlier this week. that's
0: so cool. That is so cool. He's 40.
2: Yep. So if there's any indication... He's a man. He is 40. (laughs) Nando's mindset, he is just all over the place this week. And also, you know, if Netflix is listening to this, I want you to get this man in a seat in the interview room and ask him what is going on. Because he has been so out there in terms of like news this season with things he's said and done and, and just everything, I mean, he's been in the forefront of so much drama, I feel like.
1: This episode is brought to you by ArmorAll. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use ArmorAll to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors.
0: Fernando Alonso is, let me me get, he is seven years older than me, okay? And I want to give him kudos for his ability to maintain and stoke feuds. Because as you get older, (laughs) you guys will know this one day, as you get older, it becomes harder, mostly because you get so busy that you kind of forget who you're mad at. And then you just, and then you forget. You're like standing in front of someone and you're like, I think I was mad at you last week and I don't remember why, but like, I, I've, I've, I'm kind of confused right now. So I'm just going to be totally nice to you. Like, that's sort of how you process it um, as you get into your 30s. And Fernando Alonso's ability to just be like, I'm going to cause trouble with the Dutch outlet by just going at Lewis Hamilton when I'm joining a new team. In a couple of weeks, like I'm joining a new team, I'm not. I'm going anywhere in F1. I'm just going to keep fighting with people. It is so admirable. I'm going to unfollow every anybody on Instagram. I swear to God, this is the oldest thing I'm ever going to say. I don't know how to unfollow people on Instagram. I know how to do it on Twitter. I don't know the button on Instagram. And Fernando not only knows it, he
2: is Kevin. Like actively using it. Kevin,
0: come on. Who am I unfollowing on Instagram? I, I follow like I follow there's a not bunch people of from people. like high school that you don't care
1: about anymore.
0: <laughs> no, I never followed those people.
1: True.
2: <laughs> I
1: I think like Fernando even either has like an elephant's memory or he has a yeah. running list somewhere in a, in his home. Oh yeah. Of oh, all the people list. that he's got. He's got notes or with. a
0: notes app. He's got 100%. a notes app. Notes and app. I want
1: to see it. I I like I I would pay a subscription service to have access to Fernando Alonso's notes app and to see the list of all the people on the grid that he has beef with because That would be such a treat.
2: I I mean, I I think it's very clear, especially this season. He's had other remarks about Lewis. Like, there is Mm -hmm. a deep, inner, Mm -hmm. one-sided rivalry that he has with Lewis. And he is not afraid to vocalize it this season. And Lewis is just, like, catching strays, you know, out of nowhere. Like, dude, our, our history dates back a while ago. And, like, why are you bringing up this stuff now? He's like, can I get a break here? Also, oh,
0: it doesn't e- the actual take doesn't make any sense. Which it, no. so the take no. was that that Mac, Max's titles mean more because Lewis had the more dominant car. Couple things: number one, it's for the beginning of Max's run that excuse me, the beginning of Lewis's run that just wasn't true. Like it, he right. it was in dogfights, and when you're looking at one point, two point, that that kind of stuff differences between first, second, and third in most cases. That was it was pure driving. And the second thing is, what do you call this? Like Max Verstappen <laughs> exactly. wins every single race, and the only team that's anywhere close is Ferrari, and they keep running into a wall. And if they don't run into a wall, their car just stops. So, like this what, season what was they, the
1: exact argument against what he said. Yeah, know,
0: what are you talking and, about, bro? I, f-
1: I think you're right, Taryn. Too, the, like the funniest part for me is how one sided this is. Because didn't Lewis say earlier this year, like wasn't he asked who you know the other best driver on the grid or you know most yeah, competitive or something? And he yeah and so it's like Lewis has been like nothing but you know complimenting Fernando Fernando's just out here like I hate you and let <laughs> me tell you why it's <laughs> so wild <laughs> oh,
0: brother um all right so let's uh let's a- anybody else on the grid today particularly impress you guys or unimpress you guys
2: I was sad that Botas I mean he finished in points, but starting p yep. six I was really really hoping that he had a better finish than what he ended up with and also on that second lap i think when we heard a radio message from his engineer i was like who is this man like we (laughs) have we ever have we had a Botas radio (laughs) message this season because all we ever hear like the top three teams radio messages essentially unless something an accident or something crazy happens i'm like whoa this is weird (laughs)
0: uh megan schuster is wearing a t-shirt of valtteri botas naked In, uh, in, in Colorado, the, the boat ass shirt. Um, (laughs) I have a question for you over under 0.5, uh, amount of times you're going to wear this in actual public, like not like over to your friend's house to watch F1. We're all having a laugh. I mean, like you're there. Three of your friends are meeting at a bar in downtown Minneapolis and you're going to like wear something under a a jacket. And it's that over under 0.5.
1: Well, I'll, I'll let you know that I haven't worn it outside of my house yet, <laughs> but I, I've had it for less than a week, so I just washed it today for this occasion, so that's where we're at right now. I'm going to go over. I'm not sure wow. when it's going to be, maybe ahead of next season. Um, it, it is a little bold to wear like a shirt with it a is. man's naked <laughs> butt out into public, but it, it's you know small enough on the print that unless you're really looking at it, it, it kind of looks like an album cover. So maybe people like will just think album that's cover, what it is. And also yeah. it's the kind
0: of thing where anybody who's walking past you, it's going to be very quick. They're not going to be able to see it, but anybody right. who gets it is going to instantly connect in a yep. way that like two people cannot connect <laughs> any stronger than that.
1: My new best friend is, is who yes. that person would be. Yes. Where did yes. you buy this shirt? Um, one of my very good friends, Emily Donaldson sent it to me as like a, you know, pre Christmas present for the F1 season. So, very good friend. Wow. Shout out to her. Shout yeah, incredible Emily. friend.
0: <laughs> um, yes. all right. So, let's get to the unless you guys have anybody else to shout out, let's get to the
2: I want to I, I have one last oh. shout out. Yes. And it is Checo's dad.
0: That oh, man, yeah.
2: yes. is a national treasure and he needs to be protected at all costs and anytime that he's at a race on the broadcast, he is so happy. He is a pleasant surprise on my screen every single time. And I just want to shout out to him. I'm sorry your son couldn't get it done today, but I love you, Checo's dad.
0: <laughs> I will say the one thing I love, and I and I actually wish there was more of it, was when Checo answered the third question in Spanish. And I had no idea yeah. what he was talking about, but everyone was just getting so excited. I was so into that. It reminds me a little bit, one year uh, like when I was in college and I was co- working down in South Florida, I covered the... Um, a tennis tournament and Roger Federer was playing and he does like English language. And so it's like hundreds of people. And then he does, I want to get this right. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, and then he does just like the European media. And I actually forget what language that was. And then he just does a gaggle with the Swiss media. And it's in French. Yes. I, I don't remember the actual, like I don't, yeah, I think it was, I forget the actual, like the, the timeline of it, but when it was just the Swiss media, like they were all so comfortable with each other. And he was like so happy and answering the questions. And it was just like, probably just talking about a bunch of Swiss stuff. And I was like, I'm having a wonderful t- I have no idea what anybody's talking about. I'm just having a <laughs> wonderful time watching these guys talking a language. I don't understand. And like when that happens and Checo is just, everyone's going crazy. That That is an underrated sports moment is when they're just talk, get to talk in their native language to everybody. And everyone's just having a wonderful time. Love it. Shout out Checo and the Mexican fans. Yep. Everybody was talking about how loud, that race is compared to other races. And I'm surprised um, it's not talked about more on the calendar as kind of a, a crazy weekend.
2: I think maybe their attendance numbers aren't as high, but they're vocal. Yeah.
1: yeah it seemed incredibly fun. I, I like the way that that track is set up with, you know, the giant stadium that you go through it like that, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of splitting the difference, like right in the middle of the stadium. That's so cool. And um, yeah, it seems to really have kind of its own flair on the calendar. And I, I really like it. I, that's one that I'm kind of targeting, maybe trying to get to at some point, because it looks incredibly fun.
2: Mexico City is a great, great spot. I've been twice, and it's an awesome place. We had a
0: colleague there. Meg, do you know? does he said it publicly? I'll, I don't I'll know. Let that per- okay, I'll let that, I'm going to let that person make his own announcement. <laughs> he probably has some content from it. Um All right. So I'm not, I got, I got, I'm moving in a week. Like I couldn't, everybody was like, oh, you must be going to Mexico City in Austin. I'm like, no, I'm not. I have a baby and a house coming. <laughs> like what the hell? I I, like as much as I want to see Checo's dad, like I can't.
1: <laughs> You're not moving to Mexico. Okay. You heard her here first, everyone. <laughs> but Kevin, imagine the fatherly advice Checo's dad could give you.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm I know. am just saying. I, in any language. My, in might any be language, someone to talk I'd so, to. <laughs> I'd be so jacked. Um, all right. So let's get to the cost cap penalty, which is $7 million and a 10% reduction in aerodynamic research. Um, everybody pretty much hated this, except you won't believe it. Christian Horner said it's very, <laughs> uh, he said it's, it hurts. It really hurts. Um,
1: he called it draconian, I yeah, believe, which, which is, is classic. great vocabulary from Christian.
0: So Zach Brown uh, already came out with a statement and said uh, not strong enough. The reporting from a lot of the the reporters in the paddock basically said this was echoed throughout every single place. Um, I don't think anybody was like. I mean, Aston Martin obviously had their own their own issue, um, so we'll remove them. But I think everybody kind of said this is not a big enough deterrent. Do you guys agree? Um, it seems to me that a precedent has been set. And if I was running Mercedes or Ferrari or Alpine, the first thing I'd be doing is figuring out how to uh, gracefully and tastefully overrun the cost cap, Taryn.
2: I I just think it's so ironic, corners victimization, because you all (laughs) know damn well, if this were Mercedes or or even Ferrari, but Mercedes more, that he would be so vocal about how light this punishment was, how they have to come down harder. I mean, we all know that he would be on the other side doing the exact same thing that Zach Brown and Total Wolf are doing. So I think it's hilarious when you look at it from that way. And I also just appreciate that there hasn't been as much like on track drama this year, but I feel like we're getting, you know. This team principal drama still. And it's very much appreciated on my end when I know that, you know, next March I'm going to watch drive to survive. Um, And sometimes I think of Horner as like not even a team principal anymore. He's just a character that I enjoy watching and seeing what he's, what's going to come out of it. But just technically speaking, I mean, I think that they probably should have come down harder to set a precedent because like you said, I think teams are now going to go to their accountants and say, all right, let's do this, but make sure you don't make the same mistakes that Red Bull's accountants made when they were trying to circumvent, you know, all of the little loopholes that they clearly couldn't. And we see that it's really not that big of a punishment and it's not even going to really affect them until 2024 really. So it seems like it's late. They go through the process late when it's a, almost an entire year after that season ended and the effects, you know, the money will be sooner, but the effects on the car won't be seen until another year after that. So, I mean, it, it was an interesting couple of weeks wondering what was going to happen. And, and, you know, I think everyone voiced it pretty well that there should have probably been a tougher precedent.
1: I feel like I'm way less mad about this than everyone else is. <laughs> and, and maybe like, maybe I've read too much. Like, Like, just for some specifics, so they're 1.8 million pounds over the cost cap, and it seems like it largely stemmed from catering, which, you know, plenty of memes came from that aspect, which is hilarious, Um, a tax inclusion that they didn't include, which would have dropped this to, like, 400,000 pounds over the limit, Um, sick pay and pay to, like, outgoing staff who are no longer a part of the racing side, which... Basically it seems like Red Bull just like didn't read the terms and conditions of everything that they were supposed to submit which is absolutely their own fault like that is not an excuse. But I don't know if my American sports brain is just so broken that like I see things going over the cost cap and like I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Like I know that not all of our sports leagues have hard cost caps but generally it just seems like okay so you overspent a little bit and now you have to pay this extra tax, but you can still do it. And I know that's not the case in F1, but um it, it like the punishment largely feels appropriate to me. And I, I I understand that it's not like a giant deterrent, but I don't feel like they overspent by enough and in, you know, dramatic enough ways that I feel like it should have been worse.
2: I think the problem is that they overspent in those categories, but that just means that they yeah. Spent more in developing the car, yes. and because they spent more in developing the car, they spent had to go over the cap, cost cap budget to spend in those other areas. So, if they would have just yes. spent one point eight million dollars less on developing the car, they would have been under the budget. So, and everyone else was able to fulfill their duties of providing their employees with these resources and catering and all and that. Food. Stuff. Well, and food, well, and everybody with, else now going over the budget because they had to take away from the car development budget. So. I just don't see them, their excuses. Oh, it was catering and sick leave and this as a valid excuse because you still could have done it. You just would have had to take it away from your car, which, you know, you No, and, and I don't,
1: I don't think it's yeah. an excuse. Like, like sure. I, you know, like it's your responsibility to like monitor this cap. I think that I'm just yeah. like less mad about the overages, especially when you take into account the tax stuff that they messed up and didn't submit, which again is their own fault. But if you take that yeah. into consideration, it's like, under $500,000. I'm like, that feels like chump change to an F1 team. (laughs) I don't know. I I just I I guess I'm of the, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying opinion, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I fall into it. Like, I I think the, you know, the $7 million fine is not that big a deal, but you know, the wind tunnel time will be, you know, hopefully a fairly significant deterrent going forward and, and will definitely impact them.
0: Habitual line steppers, as we say, as we say in football. Yeah. Um, the I, I think that a couple of things. Number one, it's gonna be really funny when we find out that like Ferrari or Alpine just hasn't been feeding anybody that worked for it for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> like, we well been that's the thing room. is like
1: is all the office perks are now going away at Red Bull. No more free coffee, yeah. no more oh, food, yeah. like, like,
0: they have <laughs> ping pong tables yeah. and stuff.
1: Bring Nap your friends pods, along. For yeah, the food. that's all gone. <laughs> it's all gone.
0: Um, the other thing is it's also going to be funny when the second scandal is that Adrian Newey is the chef that they're just giving they're paying their chef five million dollars a year and it's and it's car designer famed car designer Adrian Newey Adrian. what are the chances he
1: deserves all of it though under the table payments to Max Verstappen's dad for you that's know, right doing whatever that's right
0: alright guys um, we're going to get out of here we'll have a Brazil Preview coming up this week or next um, with a F1 employee, not a driver. Somebody really cool who will have a lot of insight into things. Uh, Taryn, enjoy the Capitals season. The Capitals do not play my beloved New York Rangers until December 27th. What's going on with the NHL schedulers?
2: Uh, Yeah, that's pretty interesting given that they're in the same division. Um, I know. I was a huge hockey fan.
0: I knew that, by the way. Yeah, I can tell. not, not, Not as a guy who's been to two games.
2: I think it makes it more (laughs) interesting though, when they place division opponents later in the season, when those games really mean a lot in the fight for it. So it could be better for you or not. I
0: don't know. It's December 27th. I don't know. I'll be done by Christmas. Me and Nora and Roger Sherman will be there. You'll be there. It'll be great. Um, All right. This has been the Ringer F1 show on the Ringer podcast network. Thank you to Erica Cervantes for her help. Thank you to Megan and Taryn for joining us.